0: Addiction is a problem that affects nearly 8 million Canadians. It's a prevalent issue that affects so many people and so many communities. Jesse Thistle is one of these 8 million Canadians affected by addiction. He struggled with substance use, which stemmed from his childhood experiences. Jesse's story of trauma, addiction, and recovery is admirable, but I'll tell you more about his story later. It often appears that we're trying to conquer addiction with terms like the war on drugs or saying addiction is a disease, implying that it is a sickness that we want to cure. But in order to tackle addiction, we need to address the underlying social factors that contribute to it. And one of the big things that influences addiction is trauma, which is the topic of this podcast episode. On this episode of This is Fine, I want to take you through the research on the cycle of addiction and trauma and what we can do to break the cycle. My name is Kiera, and I will be your host for this episode. I am a student at Mount Allison University, and I'm also a Mi'kmaq person, and Indigenous issues are very near and dear to my heart. Growing up, I saw many people in my community struggle with substance use and trauma. It's heartbreaking to watch loved ones fight and sometimes lose this battle, which is why I'm very passionate about this topic. I'm excited to walk you through these complex issues and share the solutions to these problems with you. Let's start off by defining these two terms What is an addiction? In the fifth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is the manual professionals use to diagnose mental illnesses, the phenomenon commonly known as addiction is officially called substance use disorder. This disorder is characterized by problematic and persistent use of a drug or substance in which someone develops a dependence. Symptoms include cravings, significant time spent acquiring or using the substance, substance use interfering with daily life, such as work, family, and social life, and feeling as if they can't stop using the drug. So, an addiction is more than having some drinks on the weekend or smoking every once in a while. It is much more severe than that. Now, what is trauma? A traumatic event is a stressful incident that overwhelms one's ability to cope. Examples would include physical, emotional, and sexual abuse, witnessing or being in an accident, going to war, sexual violence, and much more. There are many different traumas someone can experience in their lifetime. Through my personal life experience, I saw a clear relationship between addiction and trauma in that it was a cycle. Those who experienced trauma were more likely to develop a substance use disorder, which would continue the cycle in a few ways. One way in which this can happen is through intergenerational trauma. This is when trauma is passed down through generations, and we often see this in Indigenous communities. For example, the effects of residential schools are often passed down in Indigenous families. A common theme is how residential school survivors turn to substance use to cope with the abuse they experienced, and how their trauma affects their relationships, including relationships with their children. This causes the trauma to be passed on to their children, which puts their children at a higher risk of developing an addiction. Another way I believe the cycle continued is by becoming re-traumatized through risky behaviors associated with substance use. People often have to commit crimes in order to support their substance use, which puts them at risk for being traumatized through these experiences. So through what I've seen in my life, there is a clear connection between trauma and addiction. Now, based on my personal experiences, I wanted to see what the research said about this topic. I found quite a few studies that support my perspective of addiction and trauma. Up to 60% of people with a substance use disorder report experiencing sexual abuse in childhood, and 46% report physical abuse in childhood. So, experiencing trauma, especially in childhood, is associated with developing an addiction. One study I found particularly interesting was that of Lotzen and colleagues. They looked at a group of patients addicted to alcohol. They evaluated different types of childhood trauma— Severity of the childhood trauma and the severity of problems related to alcohol use in this group. They found that having a higher number of childhood traumas and having more severe trauma was associated with more problems caused by their alcohol use. These problems included relationship issues with friends and family and work related problems. So, how does experiencing trauma put someone at risk for developing an addiction? When someone experiences trauma, The body initiates a stress response. This response often persists long after the trauma has been experienced. It affects the cardiovascular system, weakens the immune system, messes with stress hormones, affects brain function, and the list goes on and on. These problems can later manifest into physical illnesses, poor sleep, mental illnesses, and substance abuse. This shows how trauma can change how our brain and body function, which can contribute to developing an addiction. As well, on the other side of things, research suggests that substance use disorder can increase the risk of experiencing trauma. Many people with addictions display more risk-taking tendencies, such as driving under the influence or getting into fights. Substance use can further put them in vulnerable positions, like being put in jail or participating in sex work in order to support their addiction. So, having an addiction can put someone at risk for experiencing trauma. And finally, to complete the cycle, there has been some research on how parents who are addicts can cause childhood trauma. People who are addicts can exert a lot of strain on their family and increase relationship problems. This instability is more likely to create traumatic experiences within families compared to families not affected by addiction. You can hear more about how children are influenced by instability in childhood in other episodes of this podcast, Building Resilience in Children, and Today's Trauma, Yesterday's Attachment. Long story short, a large amount of research supports what I have seen in my life. While reading these studies, some researchers looked at factors that play into trauma and addiction that I had not considered before. One I found was emotional regulation, which refers to how well someone can deal with their emotions in a healthy way. Someone who is emotionally regulated can cope with their feelings in a way that does not negatively affect their well-being or their relationships with others. It is believed that trauma affects emotional regulation and can make someone more likely to use negative coping mechanisms, such as substance abuse. We have a whole episode on emotion regulation called Tackling the Tiger, if you want to check that out. Another factor at play here is sensitivity and reactivity to stress. Stress sensitivity refers to how sensitive someone is to the effects of stress, and stress reactivity refers to how someone copes with stressors. Edwards and colleagues developed a rat model to examine stress reactivity. After already being exposed to a stressor, some rats would avoid the stressor if it was presented again. These rats displayed compulsive alcohol use, much like alcoholism in humans. These more stress-sensitive rats also had different activation of brain areas related to emotion and stress compared to other rats. This variability in stress sensitivity and its links with alcohol use has also been shown in humans. One study had participants complete a frustrating task. After completing this task, the researchers assessed the participants' craving for alcohol. They found that people who were more sensitive to stress and had a hard time recovering from the frustrating task had stronger cravings for alcohol. Like I mentioned before, we know that experiencing trauma affects how we respond and cope with stress, so it makes sense that people who experience trauma may be more sensitive to stress and have poor emotional regulation, which then makes it more likely that they will turn to drugs or alcohol to cope. And this can explain why not everyone who experiences trauma will develop an addiction. Everyone has different personality traits, so people who experience trauma and also happen to be more sensitive to stress and struggle with coping are at an increased risk for developing an addiction. Now... Hearing all this research might be depressing. It may seem like people who have gone through trauma are doomed to develop an addiction and continue the cycle of addiction and trauma. But the research also has promising news in regards to treatment. In the past, mental illnesses and addictions were treated separately. Clients often had to get sober before receiving counseling, and addiction treatment centers did not discuss patients' trauma in fear of re-traumatizing them. But now, up to two-thirds of addiction treatment programs address both the addiction and the trauma the person has experienced. These programs aim to work through clients' trauma and learn effective coping skills. Centers that provide trauma-informed care are also more likely to offer a wide range of services for clients, such as employment training, child care, peer support, and social services. This ensures that all of a person's needs are met and the root of the addiction is addressed. Studies on addiction treatment show that trauma-informed care is effective, especially for women. An example of a trauma-informed program is Seeking Safety. This program is designed to address both trauma and substance use issues and addresses four areas of this. Cognitive, the thought patterns linked to using substances. Behavioral, the types of activities that might lead to substance cravings interpersonal, how trauma and addiction affect one's relationships, and case management, the organizing and monitoring of all aspects of someone's recovery. Seeking Safety takes about three months to complete and has been shown to be an effective program for treating trauma and addiction. In this program, participants learn self-awareness with main themes of the program, including safe coping strategies, compassion, Exploring Their Symptoms and How Trauma and Addiction are Connected. Treating addiction and trauma simultaneously is a good way to deal with this problem after it has already happened. However, prevention could be even better. We could address the environments that facilitate traumatic experiences and fail to provide adequate resources to cope with trauma. Luckily, there are community projects that try to address this. One of the initiatives comes from the Prevention Institute in a document titled Adverse Community Experiences and Resilience, a framework for addressing and preventing community trauma. This document outlines how trauma affects communities and ways in which we can improve our communities to prevent trauma and build resilience. These improvements are put into three categories equitable opportunity, people, and place. Equitable opportunity addresses socioeconomic factors, which involve providing job skills, increasing community resources, and restorative justice. Hold on, what's restorative justice? Well, restorative justice is an approach to judicial procedures that focuses on healing rather than punishment. This allows communities to address the roots of their problems and begin making it a better place for everyone. Now People focuses on how individuals can better relate to each other in the community and strengthen bonds with one another. Place addresses physical aspects of the community by ensuring physical needs are met, such as housing, safety, and improved public spaces. All three of these areas overlap in that they promote stability and safety, which are both crucial for lowering stress and building healthy connections with others. When people feel safe, they are less sensitive to the effects of trauma and can develop healthy coping mechanisms. It is through initiatives like this that we can address trauma and addiction at their roots. This way, these issues are less likely to happen in the first place. This is how we break the cycle of trauma and addiction. Now, I would like to talk specifically about the cycle of trauma and addiction in Indigenous communities. Being an Indigenous person myself, much of what I know about trauma and addiction has come from what I've seen in my communities. Indigenous people have faced numerous traumatic experiences, from being forced into reserves, residential schools, the Sixties Scoop, and discrimination within the healthcare system. Trauma is unfortunately a normal part of the Indigenous experience since settlers began to arrive on this land. This, combined with inadequate resources to help cope with trauma, have set up many Indigenous people to develop addictions. Often their trauma and addiction are passed on to their children, who pass it on to their children, and the cycle goes on and on. Communities have been trying to address this issue by tackling the unique traumas that Indigenous people face in connecting people to their culture. I'd like to share a story that shows how Indigenous people experience trauma, addiction, and recovery. And that is the story of Jesse Thistle, who I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. I heard his story in a TVO video online. Today, Jesse is a Métis studies professor at York University. But before this, he struggled with addiction to various substances, which stemmed from his childhood trauma. Growing up, he watched his father struggle with his own addiction issues and criminal activity. When he was still young, Jesse was put in the foster care system and later lived with his grandparents. Jesse's mother was indigenous, and because he was never connected with his mother's side of the family, Jesse did not get the chance to connect with his culture and be proud of his heritage. He even went as far as to tell people he was Italian because he was so ashamed of his indigenous identity. All these adverse experiences left untreated culminated into Jesse trying various drugs in order to cope. He suffered both physically and mentally while addicted to drugs, and his whole world revolved around using drugs. At one point, he badly injured his leg. He was malnourished and neglected his wound, causing his leg to become infected. During this time, Jesse was homeless and often found himself in legal trouble. He would even go as far as stealing just so he could have a roof over his head, a warm meal, and medical treatment. Through numerous incarcerations, Jesse experienced police brutality, where some officers would get violent with him while arresting him. Despite all these adversities, Jesse was able to receive treatment for his addiction issues. He learned how to truly live again and provide for himself. After receiving treatment, he had the opportunity to connect with his Indigenous community. This was his chance to experience true healing with fellow Indigenous people who experienced many of the same things he did. Furthermore, he was able to connect with his culture and learn about his language, his elders, and his history. It was through this cultural healing that he was able to find himself and recover from his addiction and his trauma. Jesse's story gives me hope for other Indigenous people. Through reconnecting with culture, many Indigenous people are able to recover from addiction and come to terms with their trauma. The combination of Western treatment methods and traditional Indigenous ways of healing is known as two-eyed seeing. This perspective is employed to give Indigenous people the best treatment possible, as communities recognize the benefits of both Western and traditional medicine. An example of the way Indigenous people approach treatment for trauma and healing is the concept of the medicine wheel. The medicine wheel represents the self and is divided into four parts, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. In terms of the medicine wheel, being healthy means each of these four parts are healthy. This means that healing must address the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects of a person. The physical is treated through addressing medical issues caused by substance use. Mental and emotional health are often addressed in trauma-informed treatment programs, which I discussed earlier. And finally, the spiritual aspect is addressed by connecting with culture and community. This perspective is not limited to only Indigenous people. This holistic approach can be used by anyone. I would encourage you to think about the stress and problems in your life in terms of the medicine wheel. How are they affecting you physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually? Now, what are some of the coping mechanisms that address each of these aspects? To give you an idea of what this looks like, I'll tell you how school is currently affecting my medicine wheel and how I'm trying to address my stress. When school is stressing me out, I find myself getting physically tense and my sleep quality is affected. I feel stressed out and irritable, and I find my productivity decreases too. In terms of spirituality, I often get too busy with school to take the time to participate in ceremony and other traditional Mi'kmaq practices. So, In order to feel better when school gets me down, I have to address all parts of my medicine wheel. Physically, I can go to massage therapy to relax my muscles, and I can practice deep breathing to help me unwind before bed. Emotionally, I try to find the time to do things that make me happy to boost my mood. Even if it's just cuddling with my cat for a few minutes, it still helps me emotionally. For mental health, I try to take short breaks in between my homework sessions to give my brain a rest. I find this gives my mind the chance to recover, which allows me to get back to work feeling more refreshed. Finally, I try to connect with my spirituality by doing small things like smudging. It may only be a few minutes of practicing my traditional culture, but it reminds me of my roots and brings me closer to my spiritual side. So now that I've gone through my medicine wheel, you can go through yours anytime something is affecting your health and well-being. And of course, the medicine wheel is applied to addiction and trauma treatment to ensure every aspect of a person's health is taken care of while they are recovering from an addiction. To conclude this episode, I took you through the cycle of trauma and addiction, how it begins, how it continues, and how it can be ended. I talked about community projects that are trying to prevent trauma from happening in the first place. I also told you the story of Jesse Thistle, a Métis man who experienced trauma, struggled with addiction, and recovered with the help of his Métis community. It is true that trauma and addiction can hurt us, our loved ones, and our community, but there is hope. Numerous treatment programs exist to help those who struggle with these issues, and there are preventative measures arising in communities to address the roots of the problem. I am optimistic that these initiatives will continue to improve our communities and allow us to have a trauma and addiction free future. Walaliyuk, thank you all for listening. This is Fine, a podcast about stress, burnout, and resilience, was created by students at Mount Allison University. The students created each episode as part of a fourth year psychology class called Stress, Burnout, and Resilience, taught by me, Dr. Lisa Dawn Hamilton. There's a link in the show notes to access the full script with references. You can also go to mta.ca slash psychology and click on the This Is Fine podcast link. Episodes were recorded at the CHMA studios in Sackville, New Brunswick or over the internet when that wasn't possible. Script assistance, podcast basics, and training were provided by Matt Tunnicliffe. Music and audio production by Jeremy Dahl at paleblue.studios. Thanks for listening and for supporting these students' foray into the world of podcasting.